not manslight me or manslight me. Hello and welcome back to the long-awaited misandry with Marsha. And Ray! Uh, we miss you guys. We finally, finally got it together. Although we, this almost didn't happen because we had technical difficulties, but thank God. Thank God the Lady Lord came through <laughs> and helped us because she knew that the militia needed us. Uh, it's been so yeah. long. Ray, how are you? You work today, right? Yes. Uh, I'm good. I'm, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything special to update about. You're um, in Los Angeles. I'm, you got to go to Sur. I mean, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> the food was really bad. Um, which like I expected cause it's kind of like a joke touristy place, but even like, you know, Olive Garden and Times Square tasted better than that shit. <laughs> I've heard it's bad, but it's funny to hear, like, how bad it is. Um, this is, of course, Sir from Vanderpump Rules, which Ray went and to I with Ira that. Madison and um, another friend. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it, um, it was my friend uh, Angelina. They, like, know that I'm obsessed with reality TV. And <laughs> Ira just started binge-watching um, Vanderpump Rules right before the season started. So he got super into it. And so... <laughs> Like, they kept being like, oh, let's get dinner. Since you've moved here, we haven't been able to see you as much as we would like. So they're like, I'm thinking we're going to watch Drag Race and go to some restaurant afterwards. But I was late to watching Drag Race. And um, so I get there and they're like, oh, by the way, Sir's around the corner and we got reservations. like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I was like I couldn't stop laughing. It was like <laughs> weird. I'd never been that giddy before. Like I was kind of stoned, like just a little stoned because I had done Blair Saki's um podcast right before and um You guys got high. Blair and I, yeah, I like took a couple hits when of her vape and like Right, <laughs> exactly. I, it was the first time ever, like, in a long time that I, like, took a hit and didn't regret it, thankfully. That is nice. I, yeah, every time, like, you would take a small hit, like, when we would be together, the next day you would always be like, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I always have the paranoid reaction to pot, but I had a good reaction. Maybe the L.A. weed is better. And, oh, L.A. Uh, weed is so much better, please. Yeah, we're getting crazy stuff out here. L.A., there, it's, like, all, like, you know like rich white pharmaceutical sterile science labs like they've like researched all of their trust fund money into it <laughs> right um, and so uh yeah so i went to sir and giggled and that's pretty much it I'm did you see anyone from out. the show was Kristen there no james kennedy was there oh god uh, Ugh. he'd be the and, least uh, i want to see actually you know uh if I had to pick of all of them who I, like, wanted to spend time with in person, like, he's, him and Lala are the ones that I want to actually know. Because I feel like even though James is the worst, he's at least fun. Yeah. Well, I got to meet Jonathan from Queer Eye. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I got, like, so... Oh, I thought you 
Sure. Ashley Brooke Roberts posted that he was doing Fresh Out at UCB East, and I was like, oh my, oh my god, because he did this web series before Queer Eye that was called Gay of Thrones, that's like this, it was on Funny or Die, and it was just where uh-huh. he just cuts people's hair and talks about Game of Thrones, and it's like the funniest, the way that he summarized the episodes was just the funniest things in the world, like he called yeah. Arya baby Kristen Stewart, like it was just like the funniest <laughs> shit. He called, um, what's her name? He called Daenerys Christina Aguilera. Like, it was so funny. Um, but like, the most. Always doing the most. I know. (laughs) Always. So, like, um, I loved that show. So then when he got cast on Queer Eye, I was like, oh my God, I love him. So I, so I tweeted that back at Ashley's tweet. I was like, oh my gosh, like, Gay of Thrones is my favorite show. So then Ashley texted me and was like, um, offered me a spot on the show because I think somebody dropped. So then, yeah, I like got to meet him really briefly. He was so funny too. Like he was really, really nice to everyone. Really gracious, like so sweet and like genuinely really funny on stage. Which, as everyone in comedy knows, is not often the case with a new hotshot celebrity. Yeah. But I, it was so weird because I was so starstruck by him, and I haven't gotten starstruck in a long time. Like, but it's like I don't know why really? I'm so obsessive. But that he's the same way with me. We're like I just like want to hang out with him but I feel like he's too likable for his own good because he even told this story about like I think everybody kind of relates to him and feels like they you know would have so much fun with him because he's so fun so now he lives in New York and just has like he'll be like smoking a joint and he'll just have all these like (laughs) girls and whoever running up to them like oh my god I was like yeah that would be terrifying oh dear (laughs) yeah don't do it Marcia you're gonna be famous in five minutes and you don't want anyone to see you ever be a fan. And, well, the good thing be- is, is that if I hide my hair, literally my mom will walk past me and not know that it's me. <laughs> if my, when my curly hair, when I straightened my hair one time in college, I went to a party and every single person I knew just walked right by me. And then when I was like, hey, they were like, they looked at my face for a good five seconds before they recognized that it was me. Yeah, I was it. like, I think people just find a feature and define you as your hair or whatever. That's why you got to get, like, black girls and switch it up. Yeah. Every week. <laughs> Make them look at your face. Yeah, just be like, I'm Solange today. I'm Tony Braxton tomorrow. Oh, my and God. And you're going to have to figure out who I actually am. Speaking of, your hair looks so cute in the photo with your sister. Oh, you're thank you. You're wearing it out? It looks different. Yeah, I got a big weave now. I so love it. It's got some, like, Diana Ross. Solange Yes! Oh my god! I love it. Definitely have steadily been getting bigger weaves since the beginning of the year. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna... I like it big. The big hair is fun. I mean, like, it's nice because as a kid I hated my hair and I hated my eyebrows. Right. And right when I hit adulthood, they were like, guess what? Bushy eyebrows, big hair, these things are in And thick hair, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's really kind of crazy though because... uh, Every like LA is the most segregated place like I've ever been yeah. and and so like I have to travel so far for um for like hair products and shit that are catered to black women and even still like the natural hair movement hasn't really taken hold out here. No, so like right. they don't so they don't have like kinky afro shit or whatever so i like waited until my sister came uh to bring weave and then she didn't even bring weave so (laughs) i had to like go all the way to like 
Baldwin Hills, which is like the Black Beverly Hills or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then like I had to buy hair that I didn't want because I had an appointment for the next day. And then the, thankfully the girl who did my hair uh, is from the East Coast. And so she knew how to texturize it and cut it in a way that it would give me the look that I wanted. But it's like, geez, like not only is this place like segregated black people to the South and the West, but it's like, they are not even serviced in their own neighborhoods. It's so bizarre. Such a weird thing. It's so true. It's like, I feel like that's how the West coast really is. Like the East coast is so different because in all the major cities here, there's, there's like, you know, neighborhood segregation. There's like sort of like Mm -hmm. block to block, like areas in a way, but like, in Portland when I lived there and like in LA like in some ways like I'm from Tulsa Oklahoma originally where there was the race riot where there was the race massacre Mm -hmm. is what people say you should call it now because that's what it was and there's like you know Black Wall Street yeah when Black Wall Street was burned down and so I came that's where Mm -hmm. Tulsa was and like then when I moved to Portland I was surprised that the segregation is almost worse in a way and it's like more sinister because it's like not discuss the way that they have if you look at Oregon's history they have like really systematically well, I mean, rooted white out supremacist, yeah. like yeah it's manifest destiny white supremacist type shit and in LA That's it's like, like it's crazy because it's like in the east coast I, I've always been thinking too because you've you've always lived out here that now it must be such a culture shock to be in LA if I didn't have a job and uh I was like trying to figure this place out for real I think I would really hate it, but it's really crazy because the segregation here is like, um, it's like the, it's like the white people, uh, the white people. Okay. So they, the Mexicans of the same income class have pushed black people out of their traditional um, neighborhoods because white people just think, that Latinos are more savory, even though they still don't think Latinos are savory. And so it's just like these middle class or lower income class, like lower income folks of color are like beating each other out. And then the white people are just coming behind and be- and eating them out. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. the most bizarre. And so I was coming from the black neighborhood on, on uh, Saturday and I'm in the car with this like dope ass dude. He's a Lyft driver and he's, um, black from like South LA and stuff. And we just had like a really long conversation about uh, how things have changed. And so I was like, dude, I haven't seen any black people. Like every time I meet a black person, I take their phone number. And, um, and he was just like, well, where are you staying? I'm like, I'm in Echo Park, which is where Dodger stadium used to be. Yeah. Where Dodger stadium is where it used to be black and it used to be Latino. Now it's all, it's like white. It's like Bushwick. And so I'm like, uh, he was like, yeah, girl, you ain't gonna see no Negroes out there. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, they they left like five Mexicans over there so they could work for them, girl. You ain't gonna see nobody out there. I was like, can't. Then just cleared um, everybody out with a broom. Yeah, and it's just like, it sucks that it's like so matter of fact. Like, girl, you're not gonna see nobody out there and that's just what it's gonna be. Like, even in New York, it's like, uh, even if I'm in a white neighborhood, the city is so dense and like everyone's on top of each other in such a way that even if you create your own escape, you're going to see a black or brown or Asian person somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, 
on the train. It's like, a white supremacist going worst through nightmare. The mall. That's why I truly huh? think it's, it's a white supremacist worst nightmare. That's why I always think it's yeah. so funny when I see the MAGA hats on like the New York subway. In- I'm like, why do you right. live here? Like, you know, why you, you look here? like a retired guy. You can't afford a place in Staten Island. Like, <laughs> right. But the thing is, like, in like LA, so the city is so sprawling and the way that it's zoned, it doesn't lend itself to like urban density and low income housing. So there's never going to be like clusters of people anywhere. So it's like really easy to just space everybody out, push the unsavory ones in a place you don't want. You don't have to see them and go. It's mm-hmm. like really bizarre. That is crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared. Like I've only ever spent a week in L.A. and I feel like if I were out there, like I can't tune stuff like that out fully when there's like some sort of like almost anthropological aspect to a city like that, <laughs> like where you're just like. That's how Portland was for me, where it was like, I couldn't get out of thinking of it like this weird case study because it was so bizarre to me, all the little right. things that weren't talked about. I think as like, I was raised in Oklahoma, but my family is East Coast and like, I very much have that like personality in me. Like my dad's from Philly and my mom's whole side of the family is like these really loud DC people. And like, you know, like it's just interesting how much I didn't vibe with this West Coast sort of passive, like everything under the surface. Like I just used to be able to walk into a room in Portland and I felt like I overwhelmed everybody before I even said hi. You know what I mean? This like, town is, yo, it is really sleepy out here. Like yes. my sister's in town and I just was like, I don't know what to show her to do because like you have to sit and plan and because nobody's like, jump starting in the morning to like have an adventure outside all day at least not from what I've seen everybody gets up early they go to the gym they might have a nice meal with somebody but it isn't like all right I'm gonna hop on a subway get off at Union Square and see where the world hustle yeah it's like the sort of we've got the money we're investing we're gonna (laughs) take our time eat our lunches everybody's like in a room writing a movie I think is what it is uh, well, yeah, and I had, so it's been crazy. It's been so long since we've done the podcast. I had the Headless Women of Hollywood go viral again. Um, yeah. Which was crazy. And your troll came for me. I know. Oh, my God. Who was that one guy who pretended to be a representative? And he, they always go for the affirmative action thing. It's, like, really disgusting. Well, my thing is just, like, my thing is, like, okay, I'm prepared for when your stuff goes viral, that they're going to come for us. I have no problem with that. But it's just, like, really annoying because it's, like, they're already hating me for being a woman associated with a woman who's so, like, openly, quote-unquote, misandrous. And, like, I'm prepared for those attacks that day. But then it's just, like, I don't get to, like, I don't get to avoid racism. You're already bothering me mm-hmm. for the pandry. Leave me alone. Leave nigga out of it. You know? <laughs> That should be your like. You should make that your Twitter, uh, your Twitter like banner. You know what it's I mean? It's like it came here because of Misandry. Fine, just leave Nika out of it. Well, um, these like these guys who would cry that PC culture is like ruining everything. Like it's amazing how many times they have just quoted our pin tweet about our podcast and been like acted like it's completely they sincere weaponized literalism and they also came for melissa stakowski who's the woman i wrote handmaid's tale with they found this one tweet of hers where she was talking about on international women's day like she made a joke about like kick every guy who's sitting on the subway in the shins or something like that and like 500 of these sad pathetic dudes were like why don't you try it this one guy went so extreme he was like 
he was like, I don't care if you're nine months pregnant, you're standing. If I have to pay child support, it's like, you're such a loser. What? Like, what's wrong but you're, with you? But first of all, there's no logic in there because none, you're paying child none. support because you hate a kid. That doesn't mean that the person carrying your kid should be made to endure more pain because you are doing your 50%. No, it's bananas. I mean, That's this is, crazy. This is their dying, like, scream. One thing I said, too, like, when I was really getting trolled again for the blog was, like... Yeah, because uh, audience, my boss, Michael Shore, who is great, and um, he saw Marsha's um, post. Like, she posted a really funny, like, anniversary of... What is it? Nerd. There was the like Beauty geek. and the Geek. Yeah, it came up on my beauty time and hop, and I was like, oh, my God, this one. Like, <laughs> And so he saw it, and he retweeted it. And, of course, like, a lot of people don't understand this, and I had to learn it. I learned it the hard way. But um, if someone successful, particularly a white guy who has tons of followers who don't agree with them necessarily politically or don't have the same sensitivity to our plight on the internet as women and people of color, they will retweet us to the, because they agree to their fans who don't agree. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a terroristic nightmare. It happened to me where one time I tweeted a joke, like when, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor were going to have their fight and Conor McGregor had said some racist things and also Conor McGregor fans were super racist and then it was like Floyd Mayweather is a fucked up woman beater among a bunch of things mm-hmm. and then I was like I did some tweet that basically the joke was uh, white people are so racist towards Floyd Mayweather that now I have to root for a woman beater because the way y'all hate the woman beater is a little racist And it was just so I wasn't actually rooting for Floyd Mayweather. No, it's I don't an obvious joke. It's like these same people who say that we can't take a joke. It's like, it's such an obvious joke. It's such an obvious joke. And then uh, Josh Barrow, who is a writer at Business Insider and has done a bunch of like cable news appearances and stuff, he retweeted me and MAGA Twitter did not leave me alone oh for like and it's just like I know you're trying to boost um, a message and I appreciate that but it's like damn like it hurts so yes yeah, so um, Michael Shore with his big following retweets Marsha's uh, headless women of Hollywood thing, which is like so innocuous anyway it was just pointing out that there was a ridiculous poster. There wasn't even much commentary on your tweet, right? Oh, that was was so funny. That's why it was so easy to troll them back because it was like these men were coming into both my mentions and the mentions of like the headless Twitter page just being like all caps, like women are so offended by everything. It's like, okay, who's (laughs) the one who's offended? Like literally this guy ended up deleting his tweet, which is so funny to me. Because he went through the trouble of, like, putting all this whole gift together of, like, this, like, angry feminist and was just, like, triggered, triggered. And I was, like, who's the one triggered? Because what I realized, I didn't even realize it was Michael Shore because I saw Emily Nussbaum retweet, retweet it. And, I, and then all of a sudden, I started getting these trolls. And I was, like, Emily Nussbaum cannot have all of these men's rights followers. No. Like, I was, like, no, they no can't one, all be hate following. No Emily Nussbaum yeah, no one, from the New York mag. Is she a New Yorker? Yeah, no one reads enough 
Like, there's no way. They're they're not mad enough about her, like, reviews of The Office and, like, things like that. So then, like, then I realized, like, literally an hour later that I've been made into a Twitter moment. And so that's what it was, is, like, I was a Twitter moment and people were, like, flipping the fuck out. Because then that's on, like... And what's crazy, too, is that all... Every time that these men flip out about specifically the headless women of Hollywood Project, which I'll link to in the description if you guys haven't heard us talk about it before. Cause it's a really, really, really great It's interesting. Like uh, I started project. it two years ago, and it's cool because it went viral back then, and now it went viral again, which I keep saying I didn't know that the internet legally allowed that, which is cool. I did not <laughs> think that going viral twice was an option. But So it's nice, but like, so what was interesting is that they proved my point because... All I'm saying is that when a woman's, my project's about how women's sexuality is marketed, namely that it's not marketed for our pleasure, it's marketed at the direct expense of our pleasure for male pleasure. And Mm -hmm. it's about objectification and how they sort of make us into this interchangeable, desirable body that we're supposed to strive for. And it's like, what's the reward? It's just being an interchangeable object for men. But so, but all I'm doing is pointing out a visual trope because it's sort of like, you can't actually convince people to believe a lot of things until they see it. And I would like point out this trope when I would see it on the subways and it was always these individual decontextualized posters. So whoever I was with would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she's definitely objectified, but is this headless woman really a thing? So then I just went through all these archives and just found all of this trope that I knew existed and I just put them all together and that's what really sort of opened people's eyes a little bit. And now you have these conversations happening specifically in Hollywood with like Me Too, like now they've taken the Me Too movement and applied it to Hollywood. And you have like these people who I think are like more open to these discussions maybe now or something like that where maybe that's what allowed it to have a resurgence. But these men's reaction is so interesting because just me suggesting a sexualized woman should be whole, a sexualized woman should have a face, to them is a, feels like I'm threatening to take away sex altogether. It feels like I'm saying right. now women can't have sex anymore because to them either women are objectified or women don't have sex. Those are the only two options. Either yes. women are there for male pleasure and male consumption or sex doesn't exist for women because they oh, right. can't imagine a world where sex is truly equal in terms of both partners gaze and both partners pleasure you know and desire even they they i mean excuse me if you think about it like they're literally they've lied themselves and the rest of society into thinking that we don't have desires so then they have to trick us into wanting it Mm -hmm. and that's such a bizarre thing to want for yourself the idea that you would be like let me trick this gal into wanting to fuck me. Or you should let a woman want to fuck you, but they're too terrified by that because then she has agency and can say, I don't want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. And that would, that would terrify them. It's so crazy because I was, um, uh, we were at work and uh, one of my coworkers showed me, showed us all like some 20 minute long video. We didn't watch all of it because at one point I just made an audible gasp and then my boss was like, okay, let's turn it off. But it was like, it was talking about the big bang theory and it was like the soft misogyny of the big bang theory. And I'm like, it's not soft at all, dude. It's, it's actually quite apparent, but he goes into detail about how uh, Hollywood has sort of 
hidden and your your um post your po- your post about beauty and the geek is exactly that where it's yes. just like because these men are sort of seen as less than men or you know insufficiently masculine because they're nerds and geeks and they're not jocks and stuff that their misogyny is played as if it's acceptable or less harmful and stuff so totally uh, so per- as if so as if per- patriarchy isn't directly allowing them to transcend their social whatever limitations in a way it doesn't let women women but so what they did was they talked about um they talked about you know the the big bang theory is like a basically a minstrel show for nerds right mm-hmm. and, um and then how all the women how the main girl is really hot and um how the main guy is this like sort of out of her like she's out of his league but he like basically wears her down and then they start where the trope began and they went as far back as like early 80s movies. And like me, you know, I grew up in a black household and a lot of my pop culture is super black and my parents aren't American. So I don't have access to a shit ton of these movies mm-hmm. unless I like have to go and like research them to, to watch it. So I'd never seen shit like Revenge of the Nerds or 16 Candles and stuff. And so they're just showing scenes from 16 Candles and Revenge of the Nerds and movies like that, where this dweeb like takes advantage of a hot chick. Yeah, you know, he and pretends to be someone else in, Re- in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, and fucks this girl who thinks he's her boyfriend. Yeah, and then afterwards she's and like, oh, you. No, she doesn't say, oh, you, Marcia. She doesn't just say, oh, you. She goes, you're not my boyfriend. Yeah. And then he's like worried for a quick second and she's unhappy. She was like, you were great. So she gets raped and for a second she's horrified. And then she's like, no, you're so good at sex that you're raping me is fine, which is horrendous. And then there's a guy hiding in the women's shower. There's like a, what is this? A sorority house raid to fuck the girls of the guys they're angry with. And then there's some other movie, I think it's 16 Candles, where a girl is passed out drunk, and to make it look like he hooked up with her, they get her passed out and drape her over him in the backseat of a car in a sexually suggestive way, way while his friends take a picture to, like... Yep, these are 80s movies. Yep, I know exactly what scene you're talking about and how we don't even consider it. Like, that was so... And that's directly reflected on the posters, too, is there's a lot of women, faceless women in bikinis running away with the bikini being ripped off or the Scott Bayo poster called Zapped where he's looking up her skirt. And it was this really disgusting idea that still exists that it's a beyond... It's beyond a shoot your shot because it's basically this really prevalent idea that a woman having a sexualized body in herself it is permission in itself. Right. That's just at, like having a body. You are, oh, you're always available to men. Once you show up, you are sexually available to men. It is an obligation almost for them to try to fuck you. And that is so crazy because I cannot fathom how I would get anything done. If every time I walked into a place and a man was there, I was like, gotta fuck. Gotta try to fuck. And then they're still the ones that are, that's, uh, that's what's so annoying. They'll directly fuck over the best interest of the company for women. And then they directly congratulate each other and then act like we can't be trusted with responsibility, even though they know that we can, but they just don't want us in power because they think we're going to like 
kill their fun. And it's like, what about our fucking fun? What about when your fun is at the direct expense of my they personhood? Haven't been raised, they haven't been raised to care about our fun. There's so and much like, like your fun is at the direct expense of my personhood. Like even that ties into yes. like guns. It's just like so fucking frustrating how many of these ignorant, mostly men just feel so fucking entitled. I can't imagine. It's really, it's really crazy. But yeah, like I made like an audible like, oh, sound. When we were watching the the video, so like he turned it off, but so I didn't see the rest of it. But I, we watched it like eight minutes in. There's clearly like ten oh, more minutes of, of of clips to. I mean, because you know, to be honest with you, like before I was feminist, I did manage to see that movie say anything on TV, like on TBS or something, and uh, that's the movie where John Cusack stands mm-hmm. outside her window with the boombox. And I remember not knowing what was wrong with it, but feeling like it wasn't right. Because basically, she dumps him. She doesn't want to be with him. And if I remember correctly, she dumps him. She doesn't want to be with him. Then her father is like an embezzler or something. He does. He commits financial crimes. Excuse me. I'm just burping up booze. And <laughs> um, and then they're like, so her father like commits financial crimes, and the family's like on the out. And he basically wears her down. Like, oh, she's going through a rough time. And so now she's, like, super yes, vulnerable. Yes, it's always the wearing down. There's so much conditioning in all of these movies of the 80s and 90s that, like, uh, I definitely grew up on a lot of them where it's just, like. Yes, no, for sure. Always trying to I fix your approval. Too. I definitely grew up thinking if I could just be, like, pretty enough in this one certain way, everything would get fixed. If you could, like, just be that girl who, like, every guy wants, but you don't care. Like, you know, you're taught to strive for this such specific thing. Well, fortunately, uh, I think going to college made me realize that's not true in the sense that mm-hmm. everyone gets fucked in college, even if <laughs> you're know. not, like, the hottest chick. It was, like, such a relief. Um, but, but, yeah, so, like, in say anything, he stands outside in the pouring rain holding up a boombox playing a love song, and she, like sees him out her window and it's like dude you're a fucking stalker you are a stalker leave that girl alone yeah every movie is really terrifying when you look back like me and melissa just rewatched the wedding planner with matthew mcconaughey which like used to make me so horny as like an 11 year old tween and i like he's such an asshole like his character is so sketchy like it's like they're all like suspicious Someone plays that movie Dazed and Confused, like a quick clip of it. I haven't seen it. And it's like Matthew McConaughey is a 25-year-old. Yes. High like schoolers. Teenagers. And then he says, oh, I hate that as I get older, they keep staying the same age or something like that. And I was like, why was this like oh, pop culture? Well, and the thing is, because that, that show is set in Texas. And like that used to be my favorite movie ever, Dazed and Confused, obviously, because I'm like such a stoner mess. But I, like, I was trying to think, I was like, maybe that character is just so real that it's trying to be a commentary on it. But they, of course, glorify him, like, in the movie. Well, he so is, that's like, the thing. supposed to be cool. But I definitely know that's there's a guy cool. like that in every single, like, Oklahoma scene or, like, Texas. Sure. Like, But I, like, I asked my coworkers, I was like, is this, you know, satire? Like, are they commenting on it? And they were like, I could see how the writer thought he was criticizing right, but the him, audience didn't but he take it accidentally, that way. yeah. And he was like, and his creepiness is never fully resolved. 
in a way that castigates him and you know he's not supposed to be a good guy. And so I was like, oh, God, there's so many, there's so much like accidental reinforcing of these ideas when you are trying to criticize them. And like now that I'm writing for a narrative show and I'm paying more attention to scripts and stuff, I'm like seeing it more and more where I'm just like, this person means for us to see this thing and they didn't do it well enough for us to ever see the thing they wanted us to see. Yeah, I know that it is true. It's like that. Wait, can I tell you, this is like slightly related, but also related to the headless Hollywood thing. So I was thinking about L.A. Um, I had this guy. So one of also the most egregious posters on the blog is this uh, poster for this movie that's called Balls Out. And it's so interesting because when I first posted it, my friend reached out to me and she was like, so this movie was an indie film made by like a good comedian and the studio basically took it for like from him without him really realizing it until it was too late. And so then when the blog went viral again, like literally just last night, this guy reached out to me, his name's Bradley Jackson. And he told me that it was like, Mm -hmm. basically it was this movie that starred like Kate McKinnon, like all of these huge up and coming people, Beck Bennett, like, and it was called intramural and it's like not a sexualized movie in any way. It's like, you know, it's basically like he said the genre is kind of like dodgeball and like those mm-hmm. type of movies, but not with the sort of gratuitous sexual jokes that that are in every comedy that ruins so many comedies for me, because it's not as if they were if they were good jokes. I don't mind raunchy jokes, but in every mainstream comedy, there's always just like a demeaning the woman is a stupid sexual moment. Like there's like always like three just gratuitous for no reason that are almost like added in abruptly, like that just like deter. So like then he showed me their original poster and it just looks like a regular camp poster. And basically (laughs) apparently some studio guy, like he'd been working on this film for four years. It's like his baby. Some studio guy said it didn't quote pop. He said it wasn't popping for him. So they changed the movie title for the release to Balls Out and they changed the movie posters to there's one that's a headless woman where it's like her butt and then there's one that's um, like a guy's dick basically and it's like a headless guy or maybe it's his butt too. I can't remember. But it's like these fucking cokehead Hollywood execs like who are just like, (laughs) oh, it doesn't pop for me or whatever. And of course it made this guy miserable and it's like not what he wanted. And to me too, it's like, if I had seen the original poster he sent, which was for a movie called Intramural, and it has all the actors on it, including Kate McKinnon, who's the star, that's for sure a movie that I would check out. But if I see a movie called mm-hmm. Balls Out, I'm going to assume that that is like a National Lampoon reboot, shitty, like mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, Animal House, like But whatever. you know, those things sell is the problem. Yeah, and that's I what like- he said. He said the guy looked him straight into his face and said, clever doesn't sell. You want to know what sells? Sex sells. It, oh my God, Marsha, I just tweeted about this today because we were talking about um, uh, cheerleaders in the NFL. Like, yeah. they, there's this lawsuit by one of the Saints cheerleaders about the ridiculously puritanical um, restrictions on them that are not on the players. Yeah. And some girl got- it's on them to and- like, defend from the players who are being fucking yes. maniacal after games. Yeah, it's crazy. And so... We were talking about that. And then I was like, 
the notion of cheer, like the notion of cheerleaders at professional sports games is bogus anyway. Yeah. Because the entertainment is the sport. Like you don't need little like skirts on women to make people interested in a game. They're there for the game. And so, and the idea that the, the people in charge would be like, uh, oh, put a little skirt on that one. Men will buy it because sex sells. And then men buy it. That shit blows my mind. I know that you can. It's so simple. <laughs> like it's so it's like. So, like like how are you letting people call you animals and then proving them right? Like <laughs> if a man, obviously, if a good-looking man talks me into something, I'm not like immune to sex and sexy. No, but they're but like, like men are visual creatures, and then they take like yeah. no more responsibility to control their sexual like. Yes, it's like honestly, like a hot guy can't in 30 seconds sell me on a thing men are you know? so proud i wish they found it less interesting about themselves too because that's what's annoying it's like they do this thing where they act like you should be so impressed or they're just like hey you know that's what guys are just like sex on the brain all the time like i love yeah. beautiful women something really interesting about myself i love I'm beautiful women distracted yeah, you're like cool. Yeah, like can you imagine me being like something really interesting about myself? I really like hot guys. Like someone would be like, "Shut the fuck up, you frivolous bitch." But no, guys are into the most frivolous shit the same way we are, but it's not seen as that way. Like, of course. I mean, like the way, like the perfect example of that is, um, when Lamar Odom overdosed in that brothel, yeah. and. And uh, everybody was blaming Kardashians, even Scott Van Pelt, who is a usually very smart, um, you know, e- e- like ESPN anchor, commentator, whatever. And he did this whole segment blaming the Kardashians for, ruin- for ruining Lamar Odom. And I thought it was the most sexist thing on the planet. First of all, first of all, Lamar Odom was an addict before he ever met that girl. Both mm-hmm. his parents were heroin addicts. His mom died when he was young from it, or I think cancer. And his dad was a lifelong addict. You even see his dad and him trying to rebuild their relationship on the show. That's one. Two, Lamar was clearly using because he switched colleges halfway through his college career because he went missing for a fucking night in Las Vegas, Nevada, where he was playing basketball at school. So it's like, that he went to college in the worst place possible if you have addiction history, yeah. you know? So then, this is also addict behavior. He met that woman. He met Chloe. Like, so mind you, he met Chloe, his ch- youngest daughter. Like, he, he had married a woman before. I think he was in a long-term engagement with a woman he had known from childhood. And then they had a couple of kids, and then one of their kids died, either in from SIDS or something. It was just a baby died. So after that, his relationship with his girl falls apart. And in very addict fashion, a depression is healed by marrying immediately a woman you just met. It's a very impulsive addict thing to Mm -hmm. do. And then it's like... They want to find that woman to blame who they feel, who they know that everyone will be comfortable jumping in on. It's like... 
jumping on. Yeah, even like with <laughs> Hillary like, to a smaller extent and Kim Kardashian especially where it's like they know that enough women will join in and like forget on the right. sexist element because they hate her individually so much. And it's like... Also, here's the thing. Like those women are awful, but the thing... Like they're awful for a lot of things, but the things that people criticize them for is not the awful part. Right, it's the like, don't call part. Melania Trump a whore. Don't make me defend Melania Trump. Like, you know, like... Like, Chloe is fucked up because she is in, the, like, I could get into it later. But the thing is, like, Chloe married Lamar, but Lamar wanted to be there. She didn't trick him. He was the more powerful person in the situation. Here's a Laker who is, like, a fan favorite. He has more money. He's been famous for longer, all of this stuff. But people act like she forced him into being married to her and then forced him onto a reality show. It's like and this then- false victim blaming because that's the thing, too, is that they know that ultimately in a lot of situations, women don't have the control. But there's always yes. this, like, women always have the control when it comes to men. And it's like, well, then why do we yes. keep getting murdered? Or that she seduced, or that she seduced him into... into uh, you know, putting his life on TV and ruining his career and then left him when he wasn't doing better. It's like, you try to be married to an addict. Are you fucking kidding me? You try to be married to an addict. And then she left him, but she never officially divorced him. And God forgive, God fuck, fuck her for trying to move on. So she's dating other people and then they blame Lamar's depression on that. And then he ODs in a brothel. But it comes out that he had been cheating on her with strippers and prostitutes the whole time they was married, in addition to being an addict. But suddenly it's Chloe's fault that he's fucked up and stuff. It's so lame. And the thing is, what was so crazy about Scott Van Pelt's report is that he goes in on shitty reality television like he's not talking about some nigga bouncing a ball. <laughs> That's the thing, too, is, like, they do, like, it's, like, they get to decide what's frivolous versus what's an art versus what deserves money versus what doesn't. And it's always, like, female sexuality only deserves money when men are making money off of it. And whenever they're making their own, all of a sudden it's, like, well, should we really be doing this to our children? It's, like, no, we shouldn't be, but you're the one who made it this way. You started. Exactly. It's, like, oh, let me hate prostitutes and shippers. And it's the not same way where it's like that. so many men get mad at us for even joking about talking about hating men, but it is totally acceptable for a man, especially a man with daughters or a wife, to say, "Oh, I hate, uh, I hate men. I don't trust men." Yes. How do you? That's so wild. You know, men are terrible because you tell your daughters to watch out for them, mm-hmm. and then you get mad at us for repeating it outside the home. They do. That's it's like I- we're not allowed to internalize that because. How dare we like this big, it's like, okay, well, you're telling me and I can observe why the world is dangerous. That's what's fucked up too, is they know that men are the danger to us. That's why you don't let us walk alone at night. But then when we start trying to talk about these mass shooters and talk about this like entitlement issue that always comes into this violence, all of a sudden it's like, how dare you group men as the shooters, even though that's (laughs) who they are. My daddy did. My brother told me not to. They know they're friends. That's why they're telling me this. And then you're going to get mad at us for noticing? It's wild. Yeah, it's really crazy. The Parkland stuff is interesting. Like, you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of conversations, like, you know, and it's, did you watch, like, the March speeches? I was, uh... No, I only caught, 
I that one that we both posted was girl. yeah the 11 year old um whose yeah, name came across my timeline um is naomi wadler she's from alexandria virginia and there's a few other um speakers too that were talking about like you know this is a really random and horrific occurrence in your community this happens way more often for us we've been trying to get mm-hmm. the attention of these politicians for so long i you know it's like it's nice that it seems like what somebody tweeted was how like it gives how me woke hope those little kids are yeah and what it gives me hope that you know we do have these conversations about privilege coming into the yes. mainstream in a way we haven't before because these used to really yes. be academic and activist terms yep and now you have this whole generation kind of raised on that and what it potentially has the potential for is a massive undoing of gaslighting that's been happening well yes for I, years i totally i totally agree and like it's I, this is why, as frustrated as the internet makes me, I'll never hate it. Yes. Because it's like, these little kids know what it means to um, not have, look, a cultural appropriation sucks when, you know, there's a group of people benefiting from a thing that would be a detriment to the other people. And the people who originated don't get any credit or yeah, recognition. That is raised. true. But here's like... One of the great things about cultural appropriation is, so you have, like, on the internet, memes are, like, usually black originated, or quite a few of them are. So then all of a sudden, you have these young white kids following young black creators. Like Daquan. On the internet. Huh? Do you know Daquan? Daquan is, like, this humongous Instagram guy, and it's, like, so funny, because no, I always not. see my, like, these, like, 13 year old Jewish relatives of mine, like posting this, like, you know, memes of this like 19 year old black kid. Right. I don't know anything about it, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. So in a way that this, so now at first you think that this little, this 19 year old black dude is cool. So you follow him, but you're not following music or movies where things are scripted or very limited. You're following a dude getting to speak unfiltered mm-hmm. and so then at some point when you keep following people yeah, like there's this, not like a white executive who can tell him you better shut up or yes. i'm gonna take everything and from you exactly and so you get to even though the platforms try and do that in their own way that's why it's scary the way that facebook and now instagram owned mm-hmm. by facebook do try and shut down like some of these like you know black creator pages like when they try and make jokes about um, right men and but, white um, people uh, you know, it was just very, it's very interesting because I've seen a lot of like, like I saw one tweet where um, Lyft was giving them, giving people free rides to the march and, um, and, uh, and uh, I saw like one popular black Twitter user be like, this hurts. They didn't do that for us. This hurts. And it's like, okay, express your pain. But also like, I think. I don't want to say it's counterproductive, but I don't understand how you think hostility toward these white children is useful, is a useful uh, way to spend your energy in the sense that like, obviously you should articulate your grievances in that it is unfair how the media has treated these children in in, uh, contrast to how they treated, you know, black kids in Baltimore and Ferguson and so on. And yeah, I think Even definitely the way the pointing out, like, I mean, it is wild to me the the two-sidedness of the Patriots giving their plane to the Parkland kids. Like, 
you know, because the Patriots give their plane to the Parkland kid. Meanwhile, you still have this like kneeling debate within the NFL, but and it also signifies Bob a consciousness. Kraft is a Trump supporter. Who yeah, exactly. Gun. I mean, and, who hates gun control? Yeah, and it's like you have this sort of like consciousness change where you either have people hiding how they feel or changing how they feel, but it is um, with this certain I'm, like yeah. Well, I'm never gonna get mad. Look, I'm never gonna get mad at the mainstreaming of good ideas. That's never going to happen. So if, if it means that the Patriots are having some Parkland kids fly out, I want the Patriots and all of their, all of the views that they're going to get to bring those eyes to those little kids. Mm-hmm. But frustrating. And what the Parkland teenagers have been really, really good about is they've been like, hey, man, extend this kindness to our, bl- our black and brown friends. And I mm-hmm. think that that's what they can do. I just don't know. It's like, obviously, I'm always going to be, like, willing to hear people air grievances. I just hate, I've seen people be like, oh, um, like, just today I was looking at my Facebook and this person was like, um, she said, talk to me about gun control for the police before you talk to me about gun control. And I'm like, that's a dumb sentiment. You can have more than one conversation at a time. And yes, you think that the air is being sucked out of the room by the Parkland kids. I understand that grievance. But why wouldn't I use, Why wouldn't I be interested in gun control even if the police have the guns? Look, there is nothing in me that believes that if I had the most guns, I could take out any police force, let alone the government. So it's stupid to think, oh, we shouldn't work on civilians killing civilians until we get rid of state violence. No. We can work on those things simultaneously. Yeah, there's a lot of a lack of more than one conversation. That's like, it, I think that started too with the whole every time something happens with Trump, they say, don't pay attention to this because it's distracting from that. And it's like, well, it's all okay. happening. So nothing's distracting it's anything. It's all happening. Yes, exactly. It's all happening. That is a Instagram quote that's tattooed on one of Vanderpump Rules <laughs> stars. But we'll just talk about it seriously. Yeah, it's all happening. And it's like, look, instead of, it's like, and you don't think this stuff is cyclical, that the more you arm citizens, the more arms the state is going to get bec- in response to It's directly cyclical. This. That's what's scary it's, is that, like, if you go to England and other places, the police don't, they don't carry have guns. guns. No. That, that's why every, every murder in England, if it's a terroristic event, is like a truck or acid or mass stabbing. They try. Because... You can't get a gun. So you have to stab people. You can only kill That's one or two That's why it's crazy that they have this argument. We already talked about it before because I don't even like to – it's good to debunk these arguments, but it's really wild what, how far they've gone even to with these Parkland kids, how satanic some of these people have gone where it's like, you know, this argument, well, you know, you can just go to the store and get fertilizer and build a bomb. Yeah, well, then I want that person to do that rather than get a gun. I want them to have to go through, yeah, I want them to have to research it on the internet with web browsers that people can find. It's plenty of time to get discouraged. And all of those (laughs) things have way more registries than guns. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. you can't even buy fucking Sudafed. So it's like, don't tell me that like... I cannot buy Sudafed. And also, this one sign, there was a lot, I went to the march and there was, it was, you know what was crazy being there was that... When I was a kid, you know, we did lockdown drills in Oklahoma. Everybody That's has crazy. a gun. Everybody has That's a gun. Crazy. I bet some I of my teachers were concealing thing. guns. Like, it, 
everybody has a gun down there and it I'm was much older than you and but there is like a generational shift in terms of school it shooting. was columbine columbine happened when i was in fifth grade so you would have been in eighth grade right no 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 columbine happened when i was in sixth grade Oh, then I was younger. Maybe I just remember my first, I just distinctly remember my first IOC alert is what they called them, intruder on campus alert. And it's, they oh, did the oh. same thing where we hid and they shook the door and pretended to be someone intruding. And I remember, you know, I had already kind of realized what death was before then, but it is this thing where looking at these little kids at the march and it's like, they have this kind of deep understanding because I think you have to where you go, oh, shit, you know, this is real life. Like, you know, people, it's on but, the news. But the thing is, the thing I don't like about it is, like, so I meant to say, I brought up the generational thing because even as young as we are, can I tell you my sister basically called me an old bitch? Wait, that's so funny. Yeah, where you said she's, like, this fucking old bitch. You're like, oh, how old is she? Oh, 30, 30? <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was trying to say, and I was like, did you just call me an old bitch? Um, but, uh, even, like, there was no such thing when I was in school. Now, mind you, I'm, I grew up in New York where gun control is a big thing or whatever. But when I was in school, we didn't have any drills for um, guns. We had fire drills, and that was it. And I was like, even after 9-11, we had just fire drills in my school. And it's really crazy because it's not just that kids aren't prisoners and you shouldn't be treating them like prisoners. Like aside from the fact that these new policies violate the privacy of these kids, it's just that it is traumatizing. You are traumatizing them when you are pre preparing them for an intruder because the drills have to be realistic. Oh so yeah, now, definitely. They, and they're doing these realistic drills with like cops walking around with guns and stuff too. I felt like traumatized. Like I've been imagining being shot from a very young age. That's like, wild. Never we even my fifth grade we had a picnic a fifth grade picnic where you like go outside we all I remember we all had to come inside because a kindergartner had told a teacher that she saw a man walking around with a gun and it turned out to be an architect walking around with like those big blue like those mm -hmm. big black things that they hold but it shouldn't in. have been a thing she was able to identify a kindergartner said a man with a gun yeah that's crazy it's really, and what's sad to me too is like now that I saw the like the Parkland students, they have to have clear backpacks. Like that's one of the things. That really bothers that's crazy, me a lot. Because first of all, he ran in from the front. Like there, what was he going to be having a clear backpack? Like it's also, like. He didn't, he did, they didn't even, when he was still attending the school, he had, he couldn't bring a backpack to school. Yeah. Then they expelled him. And then women don't get privacy now. Like girls that's can't hide their tampons because men murdered us. Exactly. Because even if you put it in a brown paper bag, they're going to be like, what's in the bag? And then you have to be like, oh, I don't know, the thing I plug my pussy with since you guys yeah. are so gross by blood. Also, like, weed, your vape. I mean, like, I <laughs> I needed to be able to, like, hide, like, a couple things, you know? You got to be able to experiment. You have to be treated like a criminal because this nigga went off. And you don't want to do anything. They are treating kids like criminals rather than just protect, like stopping guns. And it's really so transparent that it's like sickening because it's like, oh, well, if the teacher with the gun doesn't protect it, then another teacher should buy a gun. It's like, yeah, you want gun sales. No shit. Yeah. That's all you want. But also Everybody that, but knows. also you want, you want uh, kids to go to prison, right? You want, yep. um, 
you want there to be an abundance of criminals somehow, some way, so that you can make, isn't that astonishing that medicine and incarceration are like booming businesses in this country? That's great. It's so immoral. That the idea so that immoral. locking people, like locking people up for crimes and then getting labor at almost slave costs, like indentured servitude costs, and like for that to be a booming business, that, that is decrepit bullshit and that is like moral decline yeah the idea that you would be interested in you would run a business requiring the criminality of lower classes that's crazy i also really hate like i saw this one post that was talking about how like the now there's this republican response to besides this garbage like rick santorum cpr whatever like that was crazy. Mark, Mark Rubio, we need to find common ground. It's like, okay, the two sides are one guy who wants to own a semi-automatic rifle for no reason and kids mm-hmm. dying. We do not need to find right. common ground between those common two ground. things. We need What's frustrating sense. is the newspapers are giving common ground to those two things, too. So is CNN. I turned on CNN for two minutes, and they're letting some 18-year-old who's, like, against gun control be like, well, some of us, we don't want to lose our... It's like, these are not the two sides. They're... 2% of people in this country own, like, 50% of the guns. And it's like, yep. we need to take action at a certain point. This action, they keep threatening us. The truth is, they're scared because they have guns. It's like, confront mm-hmm. these people. You know what? I'm watching Wild Wild Country on Netflix about this Rajneeshi um, cult. The thing is, is that if these people were not white, all these gun owners, obviously they know the U.S. government would have gotten involved decades well, ago. I just love that they they worship Ronald Reagan, right? And Ronald Reagan instituted, at the time, the, stri- the most stringent gun control laws in the country because the Black Panthers decided to arm themselves against the police, and he was the governor of California at the time. But they <laughs> yeah. never tell you that part of the story. They never tell you that part of the story, that wow. their, their conservative hero instituted gun control because he was scared of Black men arming themselves. Mm-hmm. That's always what it is. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what they did with the Rajneeshi is like, as soon as, the, and not that it's like they, but it's like, as soon as these people got guns, you know, all of a sudden in America, it's unacceptable. And it's like, you know what? This is not, and, and those people are ironically saying, well, we need these guns in case the government, in case we need to rise up against the government. You are you the government. The government you are works the government. for you. It's crazy. And you can't rise up, you can't rise up against the government. We spend billions of dollars on military weapons annually mm-hmm. what's your little ar-15 gonna do to a government that has nuclear weapons what are you gonna do that what? is so true it's like <laughs> rinky dink militia your dumbass camouflage gonna do if they want to send a drone to your house oh, <laughs> they didn't even have to be there he sent drones from old there. What are you gonna do with your Are you gonna be sitting there with your semi-automatic rifle shooting at a nuke? Exactly. It's so like I also hate so like I saw this one, um, I thought this was like a good point where they always do this victim blaming thing with these kids and it's really fucked up because I didn't really even fully realize it until I saw it presented this way, where it's kind of like after these shootings happen, the, the pro-gun lobby does this whole... It was the... Whenever the kids walked out, they said, instead of walk out, walk up. 
walk up to the person. Like walk who up needs... to a person who has a gun? No, like walk up to the isolated person who you could have saved from killing your classmates if you had only been nice to him because he was bullied and he was a loner and the way that they describe these Eric Harris Columbine true. types that's where they say true. Yeah, and that's they don't even say that actually the Columbine boy was not as like unpopular as you would have like they have No, he was say, actually quite popular. Yeah, and so what I saw this one um, person on Twitter who's Eden Chung. It's Eden with uh, six N's. And it was like a good point where um, she was like, if bullying caused school shootings, you know, like point blank period, you would see trans shooters, queer shooters, female shooters, you know, black shooters, but bull and not, not black mass shooters, I guess she's saying. And it's like, bullying doesn't cause shootings. Entitlement does. And white boys are the entitled demographic. That's why they bring these automatic weapons because it's like you're only thinking about bullying because these kids are the people that deserve their righteous place in society but anyone else who's bullied and left out well that was just a risk that could have happened yes exactly that's the thing it's like so did you see about that little girl not a little girl she was like maybe 17 who got shot at school in maryland just last week yeah and they portrayed the guy as a lovesick teen yeah it's and really it's like, sickening. no, he's a domestic abuser who took his father's gun to kill his girlfriend who had the audacity to leave him. It's really like it, it, these these kids like faces really stick with me. And it's getting into the hundreds of thousands. And it's like in terms of just people lost to shootings in general. But even these news stories, like it's like you see so many faces of these people that are shot. And it's really just gut wrenching. It's like these are all humans who have people. had people They're spectacularize people. things they to the just... point that they don't have to deal with it it's like tragedy porn but it's like these were kids these were kids that should not have died you know well like... did you hear the um and again this is an instance where it would never have happened for the black kids who are protesting black lives matter etc but after the parkland shooting the you know the new york times podcast called the daily yeah so they had one special report where one of the Times reporters like went down to hang out with like a family of the Parkland kids. And then like, I think maybe like a night after the funeral or like the night before the funeral, like three or four of the girls um, uh, had a sleepover. And so he was talking to some of the girls while they were like hanging out before their sleepover. Mm-hmm. And it was like astonishing because it was like they're so fifteen and sixteen, right? Like they're giggling, they're remembering, like uh, they were surprisingly positive in the sense that like they were able to talk and you know communicate in a way that I personally don't think I would have the strength to be in front of a stranger after such a tragic event. But like these girls were like remembering what kind of clothes the their friends that had gotten killed wore and they were giggling about how their friends liked this thing and you know would wear this color shirt or was wearing this kind of sneaker like and I was like oh my god this is how me and my girl sounded when I was that age yeah it's you like know? if you lose a friend I think that the part of it that's sad is that with death I feel like when you're celebrating the person's life and you're still in this really fresh period and they're active, you know, and then they have a real cause to rally behind. And I think that's powerful because causes do always come from 
this emotional invested place from loss, from devastating loss from the state, usually like from the system. And it's like, but then the problem with grieving is that a lot of it hits later when the reality sets in of like a person that was in your life that's lost. And I fear for these kids, like, it's just, and, and that's why it's disgusting some of these conservative pundits being like, they don't look like they're grieving. It's like, have you never lost anybody? Do you not understand? There's a lot of yes. laughing because the laughing comes before some really lonely, lonely crying once everybody's moved on except for you. And these kids get this joint grief in their city. You know, this is like this, it's just, it's just wild. Like seeing actually like what some of these people have the audacity audacity to say like yeah it's really crazy or like can you imagine like what is your life like that video where they photoshopped that little girl ripping up the constitution yeah they made her eyes look all sunken in and like made her skin darker like it's like you are such fucking calculated monsters or that um that main guy who was running for office and he was running unopposed and then he called her a skinhead lesbian. And so yeah. then the Democrats in their area started raising money to find an opposer. And then some 28-year-old lady was like, who was I'll liberal. I'll do it because fuck this I'll guy. I'll do it. And then yeah. he dropped out because he's a puss. It's, he dropped out. Oh, you didn't see that? He dropped out immediately. Yeah, that was the story. It was like bing, bang, boom. And he dropped out acting like he said, it has nothing to do with that. Like, he was, like, so, like, he was, like, I'm leaving with my head held high. It has nothing to do with, like, any of that, like. You fucking dweeb. I know. They're such dweebs. They're so, everyone's such a dweeb, dude. Uh, the militia Every- will fucking weed out the once dweeb. You realize- Amendment once six. You no dweebs. No dweeb. It's just really funny. Like, oh, my God. So, I started getting harassed. Uh, last week on Twitter because um, I made a joke and first of all I think there was a misunderstanding because white people and black people talk differently colloquially so my tweet was like poor Vanessa Trump nobody wants to be a future felon's old hoe and (laughs) I wasn't calling her a hoe like slut shaming I was calling her old hoe like how just slang kind of like old hoe I call myself a hoe I call people bitches like it wasn't on some like misogynistic type shit but this white alt-right I've seen guy, this ha- you know oh, a guy I was gonna say I've seen some like liberal white women have the most painful interactions with you online no it's please so terrible. um but um no so this um this uh Alt-right guy. You know the guy who got caught being on Bumble like a month after he got married? <laughs> no. That's so funny. But he, he's some alt-right guy called Jack Posobiec, and I had no oh, idea. Oh, yeah, I know this freak, yeah. And then, so, I guess maybe he was like a dweeb, Twitter searching the word Vanessa Trump. Oh, my God. And he God. found my tweet. He found my tweet, and he quoted it. Like, he, oh. he quote-tweeted me and then wrote, quote-unquote, feminist. And then I quote his, I quoted his tweet and wrote in quote dweeb. And then he goes, um, and then he goes, he said something else that wasn't funny. And then I wrote fucking dweeb. And then <laughs> they're like, you curse. And then, and then he was like, then he was like, oh yeah, you look, he's like, look at you using amazing language, like trying to be sarcastic. And I was like, thank you, you fucking dweeb. <laughs> and then 
They always do this thing where, like, looks like someone can't make their point. And it's like, no, I don't make points to people who just shout into the void. Or like, also, like, profanity doesn't speak to lack of intellect. I'm a very no, smart they always person. Make, like, I said that, too. That's another thing they keep doing to these kids is they're like, don't curse. It's like these kids just witness a mass. Like, I swear to God, like, they could be running from bullets in some fucking all, like, far right, like, Be Christian. polite. They'd be, be like, polite don't curse. Run. Yeah. Don't, don't push. Don't run. Don't push. <laughs> but so then all he, all he wanted to do was stick his followers on me, which is why I had sometime during the middle of last week just, like, a day full of trolls. And it was just kind of like, um, it's just like, you don't want to have a conversation about what Vanessa Trump did, what Donald Trump Jr. did. Why do I have to be kind to a person who is deliberately, to this day, mind you, unkind to me or unkind to people I give a shit about? That's you what know, they like, demand, every, too. Like, that's part of this, like, it's just, like, we're going to, like, well, yeah, they, these people can say whatever they want, but then if you dare to, like, say anything back, it's just, like, oh, so thing. I guess this, we're not playing by the rules anymore. It's, like, yeah, you right. haven't been. You haven't been, but here's the thing. This is how they work on white liberals, but it don't work on me. Mm-hmm. What they do is, what they do is they put civility first. And civility matters to people who aren't being whipped, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I'm white and privileged enough to not be like horrendously offended, but disappointed in my family member, I can see the value in talking calmly to your dad. But fuck your dad. For me, for my black ass, it's fuck your dad. I don't give a shit about civility between y'all. Fuck your dad. Your dad is trying to kill me. So fuck your dad. You can have your private civil conversations, but when your dad says some wild shit, I'm going to say, fuck your dad. Yeah, and you don't so get my understanding. Me, like, it's like, you don't get... No. Just because you give a shit about being nice to them doesn't mean I have to. Listen. Do not congratulate. No. <laughs> Vanessa Trump stayed married to that nigga for way too long. She could have easily divorced him before the campaign started. She... So she's not divorcing him because she disagrees with the shit. At the very least, she's been quiet about her disagreement with the shit. So I can assume that she's with it, right? Yeah. And then they're telling me, and they're sitting there telling me, "Why she's with it?" They're like, "Leave her no. alone. Be respectful." It's like right. we're not like, doing no, anything. She has been respectful of me. No, she has. I am doing something. I'm laughing at her divorce because she has not been respectful of me. She has not. Her husband gets on Twitter, defends his racist dad, comes up with all stupid analogies. Fucking like, post photos of his dead elephants that he kills. Get, get the fuck out of here. And so there was like all this stuff about how, um, oh, you know, there are five kids involved, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Remember on Halloween when their father used one of those kids to take a jab at low income people? Do you remember that? What did he do? When he posted on Twitter, a picture of his daughter clearly looking so fast, right? And she's holding a full-ass jack-o'-lantern. You know those plastic jack-o'-lanterns that you put... Oh, yeah. This is like the... I'm going to explain to her socialism. Yeah, he was like, I worked... I I made her go door-to-door and work for her candy instead of waiting around for someone to give it to you. Like so, And it's like, no, 
this is a the first of all, this is the epitome of socialism because she didn't make the candy, right? <laughs> she went door to door to beg you fucking dummy. But also the same kid that you're telling us to respect, her father used her yesterday to shit on me. So what are we doing here? You yeah, so it's like fuck them. They'll be fine. They'll be fucking fine. They're fucking sheltered. Like they don't they'll be fine. Baron, that girl from SNL had to like hide her head in the yes. sand because she made that one joke. Do you remember that Katie that, Rich? That post? No, 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 not that. It's Seth Rich, but no, no, no. I'm not even talking about the SNL girl. I'm talking about how when um, uh, Malia's haterific ass friends posted her smoking blunt, <laughs> they that a whole yeah. magazine wrote an article about it. Like she's not even a public figure no more. She is the the daughter of a former president up at college. But now we got to worry about Donald Trump Jr.'s kids. Like, suck my dick. They always do this, like, really, like, fucked up, like, yeah, like, they're putting amnesia gas on us. Where it's like, no, like, where they're like, oh, come on, you need to be respectful to children. It's like, where is your respect to kids? Like, this is bullshit. Like, this is such, like, they're bullshit. It's like, you don't respect kids, but also... You are you, you when you tone police, then you derail the conversation. Oh, you're not allowed to say this thing because it's rude. Well, the rude thing is the issue. So I guess I gotta be rude today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my god! By the way, Aubrey O'Day being Donald Trump's sidekick. I know. I know. I know. Danity Kane. Danity. You know what's so funny? I can't believe I'm about to admit this to you, but this is a real thing that happened. So back in the day, back in the day, before Trump started calling my president uh, an African, Mm -hmm. uh, he had a show called The Celebrity Apprentice, and I watched every fucking minute of it. (laughs) And I loved it. It was really fun. Trump was barely on the show, and um, his kids were there, but they were also barely on the show. Like, his so like all the celebrities would be given a project. I remember that. And, yeah, I watched that show too. Right. So, uh, okay. Whew, this is gonna be hard. Okay. Yeah. So there would be times on the show where Donald Trump Jr. looked good. Ooh, oh my so, god! And so Marsha in like two thousand eleven, conflicted. Uh, in 2011, I tweeted, this was like before I had any sort of anything, when I was tweeting as a dweeb civilian yes. that like, um, I was like, God forgive me, Donald Trump Jr. is so hot. <laughs> right? Uh, and then... And, <laughs> and, someone and recently then, told me uh, they thought Daniel Tosh was hot too. This is a terrible I day. Tosh is very hot. Ew. I think he's so- I really do. I'm sorry. I didn't say that he was good for society. I just think he's hot. Okay. Maybe we can like um, keep the body and we'll do like a lobotomy. <laughs> so, um, so I tweeted that and I guess Donald Trump Jr. searched his name cause I didn't tag him in it. And what? I was Are you tag- serious? Oh my I God. I search my name sometimes. He searched just his just name and found <laughs> So he, I, so my tweet, quote, word for word, was "God forgive me, Donald Trump Jr. looks good in the boardroom right now," and then he quote tweeted me and was like, 
I forgive you. I do look good. So he's Aww. pretending he's bad. He's oh pretending God. he's bad and then he's saying he's good. So then when his dad started running for president, I deleted the tweet. But if you look <laughs> up, but you know how Twitter used to be where you quote tweeted someone and it wasn't like, oh, this tweet has been deleted. It's like retweet and the person's name, their handle is right next to it and you yeah. can put something in front of it. So if you like, I, I made sure of it. Oh like, I just God. checked it last week. And if you search at Raisani and oh Donald Trump Jr.'s handle, you can find him being like, um, being like, yeah, I forgive you. I oh look good or whatever. God. I was like, oh, my God. This, Ray, I don't know how to get the reason Trump is down. president. You I know, caused I the, to... oh, my God. You caused the fucking dark timeline to take hold. I know I got attracted to one of the Trumps. And- oh my God. This makes me so worried people- about your future. What <laughs> if I have to accept, like, what if, like, the man that you find, what if you bring back, you're like, look, he's a Republican? <laughs> I would never, because I would never subject my children to that. To- True. My kids racist daddy? Hell no. No, I know so many, I mean, that is a real problem. Like, that is a real, real problem where it's, like, people having kids, like, and then I'm, like, you're saying racist things to your own kids, I think. Like, I have no proof because I'm not in your house, but I just have a feeling. Well, it's, it's one of two things, right? Probably more, so one thing, which is, Oh, you're one of the good ones, or you're the exception to. Yeah, your- my kid won't get hurt because I've trained him right. Yes, that's what I think is happening a lot because it's like, first of all, like, um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I was seeing like I had been hanging out with a white guy. I haven't, with the exception of one person, I haven't hooked up with a white person in like almost three years because I was seeing a white guy. And a Jewish guy who like was a wigger and down with the culture and everything and everything. And then he never wiped me up. He never liked me enough to date or whatever. And then he went away for like, I don't know, like a month and came back to New York with like a whole new girlfriend, like a whole girlfriend, Mr. I don't do relationships. <laughs> and, uh, and he came back with his girlfriend and I asked him, I'm like, what about this girl? made you want to wife her but not me and I was like what do you like about this girl he said she's a beautiful funny Jew and I know he thinks I look good and I know he thinks I'm funny so what's the difference shorty's Jewish excuse me which made me realize that the Jewish thing mattered the whole time that Even is crazy. It's like you have to tell somebody that like you can't just date somebody knowing that in your mind you have this wife well, type said, set well, he said he didn't know it mattered. I don't believe him. But even if it had mattered the whole time, is that do you have to tell that to the black girl you've been talking to for this long? That the, the reason you like the new girl is because she's Jewish? You could be like, oh, we have similar upbringings and, you know, we have some similar Jewish traditions and I just felt a connection or whatever. That's different from beautiful, funny Jew. The only things you think about your girlfriend are beautiful, funny, and Jew. That's crazy. <laughs> well, that's but like... Anyway, this girl, like, Taylor Guerin from Reductress posted this thing, like, a funny article about that where she was talking about how, like, white dudes will always announce when they're flirting with her just, like, completely unprompted that they're not usually attracted to black girls. Like, or, like, crazy yes, shit exactly. like that. 
Right. It's like they do it. They want you to. They want you to like, know your place. They Not only do they want you to know your place, it's like I'm gifting you with my attraction. Yes. That's what exactly. Like, uh, that is so disgusting. So, but the thing is, because of my schooling and the environments I had been in, I thought that I could spot out dudes like that dude. Mm-hmm. So we're all vulnerable I, to what we think that we are invulnerable to. I've realized right. that. So when old boy said that to me, first of all, I hurt my feelings in a way that I like couldn't even tell you. Like I, we, we had like a meetup um, about a year later where we like tried to not be in conflict because we would see each other around a lot. And I told him he was a Justin Timberlake, which he was not happy about. But I meant <laughs> it. Um, but also, I love you, right? <laughs> The the reason I bring that up in relation to our conversation is like I've been scared to date interracially ever since because of I thought I had a radar and my radar is broken because that dude slipped through for like a really long time. Yeah. And I had no You have two idea. rugs and they can like, pull out from you because it's like you have the sexist rug where it's like you're dating a guy and you realize this is a, like you're gonna be a man the way that men are men, right? And yeah, then on top of that on top of you're that be ra- right. So it's just like, like, I'm so careful about that with myself that I would never subject children to that. And for somebody to like, like throw me off so bad that I didn't even see it coming for myself, I would never put my children that I don't have, that I would want to have. Yeah, that would be so painful. Can you imagine? They're like these mixed race babies out there, like just so... Their dad leaves their mom for a Jewish lady because she's Jewish. Like, that would be horrendous. So I've been intraracial dating or hooking up or at least, like, another person of color because... Intraracial. Yeah, and it's, like, I know that, like, there are non-black people of color who have racial anti-blackness hang-ups, too. And there are even black people who have anti-blackness issues in... Um, black men's misogyny is a unique beast that I don't even want to get into, but it's it's a beast I know. But the like not knowing that this person that you're friends with or talking to or giving a shit about for that long could harbor a thing like that, and then to spring that on whatever potential children you have, I'm so like terrified of it that yeah, like I would never date a Republican ever. <laughs> That's at least the most obvious sign. All right, so now I know that if you do, you've been replaced, and I have to like find. I have to find where the real Ray is. Yeah, because it's like, and saying I am a Republican is the easiest announcement that you don't give a shit about anything I give a shit about. So it's just like, I love that. I saw there was like some article in the Washington Post about interviewing these guys in D.C. He's like, yeah, and if I tell a girl that I'm a Republican, there's like a 50% chance. Or if I tell a specifically, if I tell a beautiful girl that I'm a Republican, there's a 50% oh chance that she will lose interest right there and then. And I posted, I was like, wow, my, my birthday wish came true. This is just yeah, a dream but come it's like, true. Also, why wouldn't you evaluate why that is? That literally... That's what's frustrating is they want to put the bigotry on the woman. They want it, They want the article to be like, oh, can you believe that that woman is so close-minded? It's like, no, you announced so many things about yourself, about how you feel about her and her body just by saying yes. you're a Republican. Aside, like, like let's, just, let's just take out the social issues, right? Like, 
And you can't, right? Because it's all social. That's what politics is about people. But let's say you take off the like uh, the hard hitting, obvious things like abortion or um, or like you know not giving a shit about racism. What do you think it says about you that as my potential partner, your political ideology is the most selfish version of capitalism there is? <laughs> yeah. How can I? Decide that you are going to give a shit about me and whatever children we have and my family. Yeah, maybe you're the special exception, but I don't need to invest the time to find out. Yeah, you literally, exactly. They act like you owe them the time to find out that they might be the special little snowflake who's like, you know. It's like you, and that's the thing, you're so greedy and capitalistic, you think you're entitled to my time. You're saying everything about yourself. Yes. Well, oh my God. We should wrap up because it's almost midnight New York time here, Monday evening in cold, wintry New York. Ugh. Oh my God. Not sunny LA. I have a good, I have a crush men Monday. Do you have any reverse racisms or men you want to crush? Uh, go first and then I'll. I feel uh... like you did a bunch of good ones. At- well, I have a woman and a man I want to crush, ironically, for my Crush Men Monday. But maybe I'll save this woman because I wanted to talk. There is this comedian who I knew who was like a Fox newscaster. And then she quit Fox News when I first met her. And she was like doing comedy. Hey, what's her name? Kat Timpf. Kat Timpf. Oh, yeah. And she told me, like, I kind of lost track of her. I didn't really think about her a lot. Like, and she told me sort of like now I've been seeing her pop up sort of compared to Tommy Loren. I'm like, Jesus, what happened to this girl? Like, because the last time I saw her, she was trying to do comedy and she was like, you know, I was working for Fox News and then I quit. And I was like, yeah, why did you quit? And she's like, I don't know. I kind of realized like because she would do kind of feminist material. You know what I mean? Like she would do sure. this kind of white girl stuff. Like I definitely remember her doing like probably I don't even remember, but it was probably jokes like that. And she was like, yeah, right. you know, I kind of realized they were trying to make me as a woman say certain things for their own purposes. And I was like, yeah. So then I, all of a sudden, next thing I know, like, who knows how much long later, she went right back to them. And now she has like 100,000 followers. She's one of these talking heads for them. And she still tries oh, to do God. comedy. It's like, you're such a loser, dude. Like, you weren't interesting enough. Like, Dana Loesch, it's like, Dana Loesch begged Hollywood producers to like, make her famous and it's like there's nothing wrong with that but then when like you don't actually take the time to become interesting and instead you decide to like go on to be like all I know is that I want to work in entertainment as badly as anybody else and maybe I have more boundaries than some people but I all I know is if someone was like look your job if my boss was like your job is to now um get really petty and nitpicky and argue and oppose children who have just witnessed and been a part of a massacre. I would be like, no, mm-hmm. I quit. I'd be like, that's not my job anymore. Yeah, but uh, that's and- why you don't. That's why you don't. That's why you're not Dana Lash or Tommy Exactly. Like you both- just took the easiest way. It's just like so pathetic to Yeah, me. because like think about how hard it is to make it when you're a liberal, when everybody in entertainment is liberal. You have more competition. But if you're the kind of person, like if you're like Effie Cup, or Tommy Lauren. Well, Effie Cup is a little better than Tommy Lauren and Dana Lash, but it's like you're you've decided that you're going to be interesting for having conservative ideals because you realize that you're not beautiful enough or like funny enough or sharp enough or whatever to stand out 
in the crowd of people that you actually agree or with. Or even you're it's really beautiful lame. enough. I would no, never they do use that. the beauty thing where they do, they want to act like this beauty thing is divisive no. to do this, like, you know what no, I mean? No, because everybody is fucking beautiful. If we're going to, if we're considering um, European American standards of beauty, let's be real. Tommy Lauren's not that beautiful. Dana Lash is not that beautiful, not any more beautiful than any liberal person is. They are people who are relatively beautiful for the entertainment oh, girl, industry. Well, they, they doll themselves up like, you know, child pageant then queens. Go, like... cater men, go cater to men and male audiences. That... Yeah, yeah, nine out of ten Fox newscasters yeah. like wanted to be comedians and failed. It's just a fact. Like, And even <laughs> Kellyanne Conway, they have her doing an open mic. You can YouTube it. I love it. I've seen that video. It's terrifying. So then she's my like crush men Monday because I'm sorry the militia will consider her a man. And then um also I wanted to do Alec Baldwin because seriously fuck him. I hate Alec Baldwin. I saw, I saw him hobbling down the New York streets. I swear to God. Oh, yeah. I I checked five different times to make sure it was him and I was like, This is him. He was this fucking seven year old hobbling man i was like he looks nothing like he does on tv they must literally prop him up with a stick on tv because like he looked so decrepit and his like young wife was like literally holding him up i was like this sad sad man he's getting online he took himself off of his personal twitter because he could not stop these like petty attacks on people beneath him and it's like I mean, it's like peas in a pod with a couple people at SNL, but we won't talk about that. But I just like with yeah. Alec Baldwin, it it's like he went he he took himself off of his own personal Twitter, and now from the AFB Foundation account, he first started forever ago at these attacks on Anthony and Tamanek when you were still yeah. working for that show. That was like, you know, someone said, oh, that, which is coming back by the way. Watch it. Wait, really? It's, they're cool. doing a special in April. Oh my they're god. Doing quarterly specials which i couldn't announce before but the first one has been announced That's and perfect. so it's yeah, on so april like, 3rd i think Watch there was it. this rumor going around that like you know anthony atomic auditioned his trump impression for snl alec baldwin watched that tape and yeah like used that to like sort of like this is what the story that was being passed around on twitter is so then alec baldwin well heard i know that. the story so yeah like alec baldwin like heard that and just like lost his fucking well, you mind can has see- continuously lost his mind on anthony atomic has not let it picks, go for picks on anthony all the time all the time picks on, all and the time but also I mean- you can yeah yeah i was just like during me too. And also- yeah go ahead um also if you this is me saying this anthony didn't say it it's an observation of my own if you see anthony's um trump impersonation Anthony started pronouncing words a certain way, and he was the first, like, major Trump impersonator to do it. And then, very quickly, Alec Baldwin's Trump started to take on... Like, what would be beyond him for cheating? This man yelled at his 12-year-old girl, you're making me feel bad about myself because she didn't answer his phone call at their scheduled time. I mean, he called her a fat pig. Like, like, I was reading that transcript again, and, like, I had heard the call, obviously, but really reading out that this is a grown man telling his 12-year-old girl, you're responsible for how upset I am right now. You never answer. You make me feel like shit. You, He's putting so much on her, and it's like, you're the parent. Like, you're – that's crazy. Like, it's so abusive, but, like – yeah, and so then recently, James Adomian, who's like this great comedian, yeah. who's like a really master impersonist, and like 
He is one of those. Who, I mean, He's SNL's really never going to cast everybody that people are talking about, obviously, and whatever. It's like, but James Adomian was one of those people that I remember, like, I started comedy like nine years ago at this point. I remember like seven years ago, everybody being like, oh, James Adomian's probably going to be on SNL. He's one of the best impersonists we've seen since like well, Bill do you Hader. remember him on Mad TV? He's yeah. on Mad TV. Mad bit. TV. And he was also like on um, Comedy Bang Bang doing like all these impressions. And I saw Comedy Bang Bang. He has live, a really like, good Sebastian Gorka right now. Oh my God. So his Sebastian Gorka. And like his impressions are so thoroughly committed. Like he's truly just yeah. like a genius but like so then james adomian just wrote about a fact which is that snl um doesn't hasn't had any openly gay male cast members like i think they had one guy for like a season but like they've really never had like you know there's a lot of sort of parts in snl that haven't been filled like i don't think they've had an asian person like you know, and a big um, star, yeah. yeah, there's like representation. Oh, yeah. And there's like, you know, so then he just wrote something about that specific area of representation that he felt there was never a space for on that show. Mm-hmm. And Alec Baldwin had the most insane defensive reaction, probably because he already hated James Adomian's association yes, with did. Atomic. James also has criticized Alec in the past. Publicly, James was the one and he has no yeah, problem doing so because Tony like or like Anthony Atomic, like, you know, it's like there's some things too where it's like your friends are going to be pissed off that you're not getting credit and it's like shit that you can't say. Yeah. No, Anthony can't say stuff like that. But it's just like so interesting. Cause it's just like, you're such a sad man. And it like, it really draws parallels to like, not just Trump, but just so many people. And like, you know, where it's just, if you are, if you're doing that, no matter what station you're at at life, it makes sense why you're still doing that no matter what you have, because it's like, and they always go after people with less power than them. You know, like, it's yeah. really just, like, so cowardly. Well, I understand why they go after people with less power than them. Because well, of course. They're, it's abusive, but they are insulted that you would have the audacity to challenge them. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? But they, because they think that you're supposed to be afraid now that they are, you know, they're, like, used to be hot movie stars now now character actors on yeah, television. Yeah, it's like, if you can't find the happiness in yourself, like, it's like, that's crazy. I mean... I noticed that when I had that guy, when I worked at the allergist office and this guy who's like a billionaire, I kept forgetting his name and he was so offended by it. And I'm like, look, I didn't say this to him, but it's like, you know, obviously, but it's like, I got, I get paid $13 an hour. Like this guy, but he really was so bothered by it that like, I didn't know who he was, you know, like they can't get get over it. it. That is like, and they'll never be happy because literally they'll never be, no matter who you are. Not everybody on earth is going to know you. Obama could walk some places and not be recognized immediately. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, totally. There's never going to be any that people like Trump, they're never going to be happy because it's like you can never truly be respected by even the majority of everybody. people. Yeah. Yeah. There's 7 billion people on the planet. 7 billion people don't know who the fuck Alec Baldwin is. Probably, <laughs> to be honest with you, 6.9 billion people don't know who the fuck Alex oh, oh my god, is. and he's gonna hear this and lose his mind because he's a listener. Um. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he he like James was making a point about how SNL doesn't hire gay writers, and Alex Baldwin was like, I know plenty of gay SNL um that are like cast members or writers, and then James was like, who named them? He was like, well, they came out after the show. He was like. You are proving my point, you mm-hmm. dummy. <laughs> like, 
actually, along those lines, I don't have a rave versus racism because racism has, happens all the time. I forget it. Um, but uh, I do have a man crush Monday. Um, yes, he we'll, is we'll one- rave versus racism, um, the fact that it was so hard to get your hair in L.A. Oh, right, right. That's true. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but we'll reverse racism that and we'll man crush Monday, crush man Mondays, um, Ricky Gervais. Yes. Yes. Who is. I played such a good prank on you at that. I posted because it was so funny how much these dudes stand for Ricky Gervais. Where it's like, because this girl, you know, um, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry, Hannah, but it's like Hannah Michelle's, I think, or Hannah Michaels. But like, she posted some joke about him and he retweeted it. And just like we were talking about earlier, like all of his fans came for her and it's like, you know what you're doing. Like you're retweeting something and she didn't even tag him. He searched for his name, you know, like, exactly. Anyways. So, okay. So, um, for the, for the unfamiliar and you should be, uh, Ricky Gervais used to be really good at comedy. And then he being a British person who, uh, was good at one thing and decided that meant he was good at everything. <laughs> and I and I mentioned the Britishness because British people, generally speaking, aren't good at stand up the way that Americans like it. Right. They they're more they do like one man shows more so than they do stand up. If that's any because you know there are long pauses in between jokes. I'll just say it like that. And um, so Ricky Gervais recently released a special on uh on netflix called humanity i think and at the top of it he opens with jokes about caitlin jenner and he used her dead name and a bunch of other like unnecessarily transphobic uh language to make the point um that caitlin jenner is a horrendous person who is unfairly um, praised. Yeah, and even keeps going With, like, and let me tell you why that's funny. <laughs> it's like, why do you have yeah, to explain it's like, it? Why do you have to tell me why it's funny? Your job is to be funny. But, <laughs> but sorry, I just got a text. My apologies. Um, but several things are there. One, this is an old take. We have all figured out that Caitlyn Jenner is a horrendous person. We've done that, sir. We figured that out mm-hmm. already. Um, one. And two, like, you don't need to be transphobic to point out that she's a horrendous person. You can make the case that we were so invested in her trans journey that we allowed her permissions that we ought not yeah, to. Yeah, that's we the correct- clever joke. Make that joke, exactly. But don't just call right. her a he. Like, it's like, talk yes. about how she maybe, like, you know, put a blanket over us by making herself into a hero that she didn't yes, deserve to be. the way that Kevin Spacey tried to when he got accused of rape. Yes. He was like, well, I guess I'm going to come out now. There's a valid criticism of that sort of stuff. Not rape. Let me be careful. He was accused of attempted sexual assault. And so... My thing is, um, Ricky Gervais turned, so he got criticized by a bunch of people, in particular a trans, oh, I have a good Man Crush Monday as well, um, Michael Che, I'll get to that in a second, but, um, but like, he, uh, he, uh, yeah, so Ricky, Rich, Ricky Gervais got criticized. And then he turned himself into a free speech victim. Oh, I know. Like, That's what's bullshit. Oh, my dude. 
It's so no lame. one's actually silencing you. That's what's so infuriating. It's like you know what? Some of some people are actually silenced, and then you claim to speak for free speech, but you don't understand the difference between people saying, "Hey, your joke sucks," and actually not being allowed to talk. Right, but also just like I'm not gonna say that. You know, people try to shout us down on the internet all the time. So I'm not going to say that you can't be silenced within the spaces of free speech. You do get shouted down. But that's not what happened to Ricky Gervais. Nobody said, like, nobody, nobody tried to intimidate him out of speaking, right? Like, nobody was like, fuck you, you cracker. All crackers must die. I can't believe you cis hetero man tried it up. They didn't do that. They said, oh, look at this whack motherfucker again. And he turned that into, he turned valid criticism into stripping him of his rights. And I'm trying to understand what happened, whether it's like, did, uh, did a, uh, like, like, does he not understand that he's bad at stand up? And he's trying to, like, He's, he thinks he's so good that he should have been met with universal praise and he truly believes that any rejection of his art is just the rest of the world being crazy when he's not. Is that what he believes? He hasn't or been funny he, since he like lost weight and thinks he's hot now. It's like very exactly, weird. Exactly. That's the thing. He's like, I think he's going through a crisis because that's what happens. All of these once liberal, once clever comedians they hit about middle age they're on they start to become unfunny and unfuckable and then all of a sudden it's your problem for their lack of being interested it's that really does bother un- me and they don't like to it's like you know you got to adjust like you know and they just like this absolute refusal to adjust and it's like you can't even just take the time and say oh you know what maybe comedy's changed and like i should make better jokes like and instead right. to well, make you yourself don't even have to you don't even have to say comedy has changed and uh, make better jokes. Just be like, these young kids don't understand me. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so it's like, okay, it's fine. But so then he treated something like he was like, everybody loves free speech until they hear something they don't like. And he like posted a picture of himself professionally and tried to make it sound like, uh, you know, people were anti-free speech when they were correcting him. And I, quoted it and I was like this is really lame he was criticized not in prison Mm -hmm. and um and then uh, I don't know who retweeted it but somebody put it in their timeline and I got a stream of people calling me a cunt I saw that that's the thing people were standing for him so hard it's like who cares that much about Ricky Gervais yeah it's like first of all you're a dweeb if you think that the response to liking someone who other people have criticized is to call them a cunt, call black women a cunt on the internet. You're crazy. You're a nut job. You're crazy. And it really sucks because here he is saying that everyone loves free, but then he's weaponizing his speech against people like me. I didn't even insult him. I said, that's really lame. Yeah. I didn't say anything insulting. And then I said something like, who thinks Dave Chappelle, one of the greatest comedians of all time, didn't get away with trans jokes. I decidedly not Dave Chappelle will try them. That's as harsh as my criticism got. And I was called cunt all day on the internet. It's astonishing. It really, that's what's crazy too, is they're telling us nobody likes free speech until it's like, and then 
you're shouting out. It's like, we're all allowed to respond. And then you get these people who are just like, well, you know, you, it's like, what are you mad about? Like, I'm just saying he's a dweeb. I'm allowed to call him a dweeb. Like, I'm allowed to call him a dweeb. And so along those lines, uh, I wanted to mention uh, Michael Che because um, I try not to talk about him because he's one of these people that if you talk about him, he comes at you like you killed his brother. Who knows? Yeah, he really does. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, like this past week, a trans journalist who um, had was writing about actually Ricky Gervais and he, um, she mentioned, I don't know if he has, I didn't watch his special, but she mentioned that he made a trans joke or a one-off line or something. Um, and she included that like in the trend of people making jokes about trans people. And he just basically used his Instagram stories to encourage his followers to harass this journalist and had also like wrote her an email. I don't know if he sent it, but he wrote her an email basically being like, I hate bloggers like you. Y'all don't know anything about comedy, you know, just kind of harsh shit. And then he told her, um, I'm not going to listen to some white lady who is um, telling me what comedy is when comedy got me out of generational poverty. Um, Oh, when comedy got my poor black ass out of generational poverty, something like that. And so several things. One, I've never seen a more sensitive person in my life. And it's really like lame and really astonishing. Like I, years ago we used to be really good friends like very close and then we had a falling out and I didn't talk to him I didn't talk at all I didn't talk to him I think he was bothering women on the internet and in a picture that a bunch of women in comedy in New York uh had taken and then he I was like yeah, it's Why like this has been bothered? happening for years. Like this like subtle yes. just like harassment he's been doing. Right. So I was like, Why are you bothering women? Like, aren't you famous? Go be famous. And then he That's was like this is sounding. It's like, why? Like, can someone please tell you that you're famous and this looks insanely pathetic? He goes after people with not just less of a platform than him, like an insane less platform. He was yeah, keep going. Yeah. Sorry. So so he uh and I like I just he went back, he tried to be like, oh, your father doesn't love you, whatever. I'm like, no, that's not the issue. That's not the case, whatever. So after that, that was like the first interaction we had. It was on a Facebook picture. It was like the first interaction we had in like four years. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, like, like six months later, he had, he started harassing me on Facebook. We're not even Facebook friends. I don't know if he was blocked, but I, there was no way that I was going to see that. And, um, he just started making fun of me and Phoebe Robinson. I being like, that. Tell them they can come to my barbecue. It was like very weird. And I was like, I don't know why the fuck he's bothering me. And then he even sent some whack ass comedian who, mind you, can I tell you that I was doing a show at the Hollywood Improv like a couple last week. And that person came up to me and was like, you know, I had never met him in my entire life. I had never met that guy. But Michael Che made him think that they was buddies. So he starts taking an inside joke between him and Michael and starts harassing me on Facebook as well. And then when I cussed him out, I was like, you don't know my history with that person. You don't even fucking know me. Why are you, are you, look, he doesn't, 
he's going to buy another pair of Jordans and replace you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why you're violating other people on his behalf. But anyway, so... He gets so many people to snitch to him. That's what's crazy. Like, Jezebel ended up writing a story about him and reached out to people. Yeah, And within one second, it's like, people are like... And that's what's so lame. It's like, when he was, like, saying shit about Aaron Glazer, like, everybody's screenshotting him, everything. It's like, what's the reward that you get for, like, this guy who just so clearly loves to just, like, start shit? I would see Open My Girl comics just say, like, something about feminism, and he'd just be in the comments telling them they're stupid for no reason at all. Right. So, like, the thing is, like, so he was harassing me for, like, no reason. I, like, called him and his friend a bitch or whatever, and it stopped. And then, like, um, you know, like, recently like you said when he attacked that journalist someone reached out to me to ask me to give a comment on that article and it was just like I was like look I don't care enough about him to do this article and I you know I think he's mean and I don't need the issue but it's just like he's mean and he never lets up that's the thing too it's like you know what you're getting into if you would ever make an official statement that he's gonna get his google alert about where it's just like you know because like I know a girl I won't name her by name either because she also doesn't want to be a part of the story it's like he harassed her so much right when she moved to New York because she was asking people for an article about like you know things that like he was someone sent a letter to her mother's home address about Michael Che I mean, it's like, That's you know how much of an influence you like, and even if you don't yeah. know, you have to take responsibility because you're tagging when these people day after day. I mean, yes. he never lets up. He was talking about no, you and Phoebe for days. I was like, who is this guy? I, I, I was like, this guy writes for SNL. He's famous. That's so crazy. It's crazy. And so the reason I brought it up was because he, in that um, note that he wrote about getting out of generational poverty or whatever, so that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Just because I was raised poor and comedy made my life different doesn't mean I get to violate other people. And so it's like, it's like, well, you're rich now and you're famous now. So you are not generationally poor any longer. So you hitting trans people in your jokes ain't going to have the same impact. You're not struggling no more. You know what I'm saying? If, if like, just because I'm a black person who had it rough, because I grew up not, like, great, and it's, like, I don't get to make fun of handicapped people because somebody called me a nigger the other day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and even that article, too, that article mentioned, like, ten different comics just talking about this sort of trend, how dismissive it was. Line. Yeah, one line, and it was just to point line. out a trend of how dismissive these, like, male and comics anything, and comics in general, if, yeah. And if anything, this is a problem I have with um, black male sexism in particular, which is because they are a rightly aggrieved party, they don't realize their privilege within the, the structure of society. And so because they've been fucked over before, they think that they get to fuck over ever, uh, everybody all the time. And that's bogus. That's like ridiculous. It's like why the Dave Chappelle jokes didn't work. He tried to make it like, oh, well, we're only talking about trans people because 
Caitlyn Jenner is was a white dude. And that is true. But also there are trans people of color. And while you do this joke that you think you're entitled to because you're a black person who's been aggrieved, you are hurting your fellow black people. And it's an unkindness that they are like often refusing to see in themselves because they are so married to their own lack of privilege in the most high place in society, maleness, wealthy maleness. They don't let go long enough to see how they are privileged in a way that can affect other people. And so I was really disappointed. Like, I don't give a shit about that dude. Like, he's a mean person and he's never going to be nice and I'm never going to expect anything good Mm -hmm. from him. But I just resent the idea that you use your black poverty that is now black wealth to undermine valid criticism from people or you think you get to violate people just because you had been fucked up before, not considering the change in power dynamics that exist. Mm -hmm. There are times when he's made criticisms of white feminists that I think are valid, but then he goes and just violates all women. Me and Phoebe aren't white women feminists. I'm not. So why are you going at me like I can do something to you? There's never going to be a place in society that I, Rafat Sani, has that will equate with you. And you already have a shit ton more money than me. So why would you go after me? It's so bizarre. He fixates on girls who can't fight back. Yeah, and I think that's he really fixates. That's what I saw him do on Facebook. He had this like Facebook profile, Michael Gay, G-H-E, so that it was like his pseudo fake name or whatever. And I would see him on girls where I would be shocked. I would be like, are you serious? Like, it'd be a girl that you'd see her on so little shows. And it's like, she's saying something dumb, sure. But it's like, you're on SNL and you get off on berating this fucking girl that nobody even knows that got five likes on her status. Like, it's so fucking crazy. Like, and even if he does it, it's just, it really is like, it's just interesting with some people where it's just, you know... Yeah, he's mean, and there's another level to it where it's just, like, he gets away with it. Some people think it's, like, I was thinking about, like, I keep coming back to you talking about how much we glorify the anti-hero, because it's, like, yes. I just keep they thinking think about it. Ed- In comedy, you see that so much, where you're, like, how come people won't hate this guy that I know is an awful person, people that I know are nice people? And it's, like, well, because also, they like the anti-hero. Well, also, too, and, like, you don't have to speak on this. This is my own observation as a black woman who is a comedian. The most, in my opinion, the most successful black male comedians in the last maybe generation or two are the black men who hold up um, uh, white patriarchy Mm -hmm. in a way that's edgy. So it looks like they're saying something that they're not really saying. Totally. and I think that Michael Che is a perfect example of that, where if you listen to his stand-up, there is nothing, um, or at least the stand-up that I've heard, because I haven't um, watched it recently, but um, there's nothing particularly revolutionary about what he's saying, right? He's holding up old-school ideas about misogyny and what masculinity looks like. His only grievance is that he's a black male, not not who doesn't have access to patriarchy like it looks for rich white guys. And there's no difference between what he's saying and what other comedians that have come before him say and some comedians who have come after him say. But because it's packaged in this sort of like edgy urban way, people think he's saying an edgy thing that he's not actually saying. 
And that's a frustration of mine already. Um, and I think that he's the perfect example of that frustration I have. And it's just really disappointing because having known him so well back when I knew him, he's way smarter than this. And I would bet millions, not millions, I don't have millions, but I would bet a nickel that while he <laughs> thinks most, most of the things that he says, he's bet he knows better and he's being contrarian for a reason. Like, the yeah, people love to be contrarian. Yeah. The fixation on women, I think, is a genuine misogyny. Yeah. But also, like, the, uh, the, 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 like, there's a point, and there's a point at which he knows this is dumb or not worth it, and he doesn't stop because he enjoys the power. So, like, every guy like that, too, he holds up his approval of certain women as, like, a shield, basically, to be like, you know. (laughs) It's really, it's really sad. All these guys, it's really disappointing. Like, I pretty much don't trust male comics over, like, 35 or, like, (laughs) I, like, I need, like, we need, like, one of those tests where it's, like, you know, the Android test in Blade Runner, but it's, like, the empathy test. Like, we can see, like, we can scan their eyeballs and, like, see so that way we don't have to, like, find out a year and a half into a friendship that they actually only like us when they don't see us as competition. Right. I just it's or if you agree with the things that they say. Like plenty of or women if, who Oh, have been for sure the for sure agreeing with the things that they say too. Yeah, that's the main thing too. Yeah, or like, or you can, oh, if you disagree it's in a way, but it's like, but I still love you and know that you're perfect. Like, you know. Right. It's it's kind of like how okay, so like Killer Mike went on NRA TV to defend um gun ownership. And he did it like um uh like he did it in a way that was like very like how do I say this? Like he was like, Oh well white progressives haven't supported Philando Castillo, right? As his point for why black people shouldn't go off the cliff chasing white progressives and their agenda. But it's like I can be critical of white progressives and also you. But what he tried to do was make black people rally around him by scapegoating shitty white people as if black people can't hate shitty white people and shitty black people. Mm-hmm. So it's like multiple conversations. Right. And so like when Che says something like you can't tell a black man, you know, how to, who got out of generational poverty through um, through comedy, it's like. Well, as a person who isn't a black man, who is trying to use um, uh, comedy to get out of, I, again, not generational poverty. I didn't starve or anything. But, like, I'm both a black person and a woman. So this white woman doesn't speak for me. But as a black woman, you're not speaking for me here either. And I can notice that with the two of you. But when you try to manipulate language in a way to justify your shitty behavior by using your race as a weapon while not acknowledging how your weapon harms people who are of your complexion as well. It's fucked up. It's like tiring. It's whack. I mean, I just hope that boy gets out. (laughs) Well, on that note, we will crush them and I have to go because I have to go to bed. I'm sorry. I love you so much. I have to go meet my friends to watch Real Housewives. Uh, I'm going to come visit LA soon then we can actually do like a live episode or show or something we'll go around and interview all of Ray's LA new LA friends and I'll get all the dirt 
Um, okay, I think I'm going to try and go to New York in June because really? uh, my sister's graduating. Yay. And uh, my mom has a late May birthday. Maybe I can just knock Perfect. out two great visits in one. So maybe we could do a live show. Yeah. Okay. But, well, we'll do more episodes soon. Um, you know, our schedules, yeah. we will make them work better and we'll have more weekends coming up. Um, email yeah, yeah. us, misandry with Marsha and Ray at gmail.com. Tweet us at misandry with MR. And all the rest of our handles are at Misandry with Marsha and Ray. And we have a Facebook group, the Militia. Oh, wait, what's it called? Militia in the Woods. Yes. And that Facebook group's really fun. Us if you love us. It's actually really fun. They're really funny in there. I love and, everyone uh, in there. And if you love us because this show ain't free to make. Yes, please PayPal us because we are, um, you know, we do love money and we don't have much of and it. And if we had financial incentive, maybe we'd record more. LOL, have kids. I know they're like well why don't you record more and then we'll give you money and we're like that's fair um we love you so much ladies we'll see you in our bunkers in the woods and and spies ladies and spies and you know gender fluid people non-binary love you all all of our militia bye friend bye (laughs) do not manslate me or manslate me Oh, <laughs> oh,